Welcome to the One Church Podcast. We're glad you could join us today for another epic message of grace. If you enjoyed today's word, please rate and review us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. It helps others like you find our podcast. You can also find us on Instagram by following us at OneChurchVB or join the discussion on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash OneChurchVB. For more information about One Church, go to OneChurchVB.com. Now, for today's epic message of grace. Here at One Church, we believe your tithes should belong in your home church. If you feel led to give, tithes and offerings can be contributed online through the Venmo app, available both on Apple and Google. Just search for One Church VB to find us today. You are now about to experience a Lee Penley original. Please enjoy. Hey everybody, I hope you're having a wonderful, wonderful weekend and I am so happy and so honored to be here with you guys again on this beautiful Saturday evening. And I really hope that you guys have been enjoying our weekly messages. I know that I have, especially the last couple weeks We had Pastor David Baird and his message on eight is great. And then last week we had Pastor Raleigh Odom and he was preaching out of the book of Galatians, which happens to be my favorite book of the Bible. We're actually gonna be continuing that series tonight. We're gonna be in Galatians chapter one, verses 11 through 24. Paul wrote to the Galatians because he was concerned that they were deserting the one true gospel. And he's reminding them that they're meant to live a life unleashed, a life of liberty, a life of freedom, the kind of life that Jesus died for all of us to have. See, Jesus came to set us free. That's what the message of the cross is all about. It's not meant to be restrictive. It's meant to be freedom. And that's how the Galatians started out as. But as Paul moved on, these false teachers moved in and they were telling lies and spreading this false doctrine and they were actually telling the Galatians what Paul had taught them just wasn't enough, that they needed more. And of course this upsets Paul, so he sends them this letter to set them straight. And in this letter, he's actually telling them how he's set free from the law and how he's set free from sin and how he's saved all by one thing. And that was an encounter with Jesus. Let's go ahead and read our scripture. It's a little long, so just bear with me. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. 
Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter, remained with him fifteen days, but I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning the things which I write to you, indeed, before God, I do not lie. Afterward, I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But they were hearing only, He who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God in me. See, it's not Jesus plus stuff equals everything. And by stuff, I mean our church attendance, whether we speak in tongues or not, or whether we um, tie the whole lot. That stuff is really great and it's, and it's fantastic and we should be doing those things, but it doesn't belong in the equation. The equation should be Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And Paul is reminding them of that. And he's reminding the church that they, they need to stay rooted in the one true gospel. But we have to understand something. We have to understand that it was God who loved us first. And that's Paul's story. When God found him, he wasn't out looking for Jesus, but Jesus was definitely looking for him. See, God pursues and he pursued Paul. Paul was trying to destroy the church. He had letters in his hands to kill Christians while he was actually walking on that street in Damascus. He wasn't eager to meet Jesus, but Jesus revealed himself to Paul. And what did Paul do? It says that he fell to his knees as a wretch that had been saved, but he rose as a follower of Jesus. And it happened all at once. Paul was so rotten that one translation of the Bible actually describes him as breathing out murder. Paul hated Jesus until he had that one encounter and actually met him. And then his life was transformed. It was turned flips upside down, just kind of like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. But it was all Jesus. Jesus was the hero, not Paul. See, Jesus is better at saving than we are at sinning. And he didn't just save Paul. He went on to use Paul. Think about it. It would have been enough. It would have been more than enough if Jesus would have just looked at Paul and said, you know what, you're saved. You're not going to hell. But no, he didn't stop there. He said, you know what, I'm not done. You're gonna go on and you're gonna plant churches all over the world and you're gonna end up writing over half of the New Testament. See, Paul was a trophy of God's grace and he knew it. He knew it wasn't about anything that he had done. He actually told the Ephesians, guys, I'm the least of the saints. He told Timothy, Jesus came to save sinners of whom I am chief. He knew that it wasn't about him, that it was about Jesus showing us that he could use anyone to do anything at any time because our God is really just that good. And he's telling them this, he's telling them that these legalists are wrong because these legalists, these Judaizers, they're coming in and they're telling the Galatians that grace is just first base, that you need to do X, Y, and Z to get around that baseball diamond. But you know what? That is so not the truth because the reality is, is that grace is the home run. It's the, it's the grand slam. 
They kept wanting to add laws to grace, but Paul's story completely shatters that. And he tells them, look, this isn't man's gospel. I didn't make this stuff up. I didn't get taught this. I got this from a revelation from Jesus and Jesus is God. So God himself gave me this. And if it wasn't bad enough that these Judaizers are attacking his message, they go on to attack Paul's character too. And they are telling the Galatians that Paul wasn't even a true apostle. But Paul made sure that they knew that he didn't need to be picked by man because he was picked by Jesus. He tells them, Jesus showed up and he saved me and he picked me and he has plans for me. I absolutely love Paul. I think he's my favorite character in the Bible, other than Jesus, of course, but I love how he's super confident in who he is and in his calling. We need to take a, a page out of his playbook and learn to be confident in who we are and in our calling and stop worrying about what people think. People pleasing is a dangerous, smothering, calling, stealing kind of thing. Proverbs actually says, the fear of men is a snare. It's a trap when you start thinking about what other people think. Trusting in what the Lord says is the absolute safest place for us to be. What Jesus likes on Insta, that's what needs to truly matter. See, the issue with worrying about what other people think is that people get it wrong. We don't see the future. We don't see the plans that God has in store for us. We don't see other people's hearts. We don't see what God sees. Many years ago, there was this man, his name was Thomas Edison. I'm sure you heard of him. He described this little thing called the light bulb. Well, he had a really good friend named Henry Ford. I'm sure you heard of him too. Well, he was working on this invention called the automobile. And Thomas actually told Henry that it was a waste of time, that he needed to forget about it and just come work for him. Well, thankfully, Henry didn't do that. And he continued to pursue this automobile and he decided that he needed money to make this work. He needed investors. So he goes to his lawyer and asks his lawyer if he would be interested in investing in this automobile and this company that he wanted to start, the Ford Motor Company. Well, the lawyer said, this sounds like a great idea, but let me double check it with my banker. So he goes to the banker and tells the banker all about Henry's automobile and about his big plans. Well, the banker laughs and says, absolutely not. That is a horrible idea. Do not invest any money in that. The lawyer says, well, why not? And the banker replies, because the automobile is just a fad, but the horse, now that's here to stay. See, people get it wrong, but God never does. And there's greatness that God has placed in your heart and it's just bursting to get out. We just need to stay on our path. We need to run in our lane. Your lane is divinely assigned and it's not by man and it's not earned. It's God given. And the gospel of grace says that God reveals himself to us. We don't need to speculate. We actually have his word. And he says, you know what? This is how you are loved in my name. This is where you belong with me. And this is how sin is dealt with in Jesus Christ. And it's not based on works and it's not based on merit. It's based on him. 
And he was the one who initiated it all to begin with. And the good news of Jesus is that you don't have to stay the same. He literally makes you new. He takes you from being dead in sin to alive in Christ. He takes you from your dark places to his light. And he does it all out of love and grace. He shows you that there's this offer on the table. And you might be thinking, you know what? I have too much baggage. I have too much sin in my past. But Paul, he shows us that God already knows all of that. And he still says it can be your former life. Paul was the worst of the worst, but grace got him. And the offer on the table is that no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, where you come from, all that can be a former life. Jesus wants to make you new. And Paul is laying down his former life to the Galatians to show them and to show us that nobody, and I mean nobody, is outside of God's grace and God's mercy. But you can't earn it. You can't earn it through self-righteousness. Have you ever met somebody super self-righteous? I know I definitely have. But they're super quick to point out other people's shortcomings, but blind to their own. Kind of like Paul. He was quick to persecute others, but he was blind to the stuff in his own life. Only the Spirit of God can break into that and transform it. And that's exactly what happened to Paul. And he tells the Galatians, look, this is who I was, but this is who Christ is. And he chased me and he saved me. And then he goes on to talk about being zealous and how deeply committed to the Jewish faith of his fathers that he was. But does zeal and commitment make it right? Does it make it so? Does it make it truthful? No. I know I have been zealous and committed to some things in my past, most of which didn't add up. But the good news of grace is, is that even when we don't add up, he adds it up for us. Paul, who literally set out to kill Christians, had an encounter with Jesus and is transformed. He was a murderer. What did he do to deserve this? Do you think that while he was walking on that road to Damascus, he was seeking Jesus? Was he looking for Jesus? Absolutely not. So why do you think that God reached in and said, hey, I'm gonna transform you. I'm gonna show you that true joy can be found in me. I'm gonna free you from all this sin and from all this bondage. Maybe you're thinking it's because he saw Saul and figured, hey, he's passionate. He's zealous, he's committed, I can use this guy. Nope, not even, because guess what? God doesn't need us to make stuff happen. He's the God that created the whole universe. It's not on you and it's not up to you. It's a I get to, I get to be with the king. I get to walk in his grace. Paul, who was this wicked, violent man who used the law to kill people who loved Jesus, but God had a plan for him from birth, from the beginning. And he was patient and he waited for just the right time to call him out by grace. Paul didn't do anything. God just decided to save him. God pursued him and then he saved. He does it force, he reveals, and he saves. And he does it all by grace, not works. From the womb, from birth. What did Paul do to deserve that? Nothing. It was just God's grace and God's mercy. 
And what's awesome is that none of us are able to say, but he doesn't know my past. He doesn't know what I've been through. He doesn't know what I've done. Look at scripture. He absolutely does know, and he still pursues you, and he still gives you grace. And on top of that, it says it pleases him to do so. God's grace actually pleases him. It pleases him to save me. It pleases him to save you. And he doesn't regret sealing our eternity, not by one single minute. And grace is stability, it's security, because he saves permanently, he saves fully, it's not temporary. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. Luke 1, 13 through 16 says, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. What did Jeremiah do to deserve, while he was in his mother's womb, to be considered a prophet? What did John do while he was in his mother's womb to be called John the Baptist? What did Saul do when he was in his mother's womb to deserve to be transformed to Paul? What did we do to deserve this? Nothing. It just pleases God to reveal himself to us. That's what grace is. It's all about him, not us. It's about God's goodness. See, we would all be like a Paul if God didn't love us first because we wouldn't have had Christ. We would have been religious, but without Christ. We'd be moral, but without Christ. All of which leads to damnation because without Christ, we don't have anything, but Christ alone is everything. Just take a minute and think about it. Just take a minute and marvel at his goodness and his pursuit of you. We don't need to try to earn what's already been freely given. It's not a let me do so I can become. It's a because of whose I am, let me do. And Paul goes on to say that these false teachers were saying that what he was teaching was just another religion or a philosophy. And he's like, wait a minute, hold up, that is so not true. I didn't spend time with anybody for the first three years. I spent time with Jesus and he revealed the truth to me. It was a revelation from Jesus. His authority didn't come from anywhere else but from God. And he tells them, and I'm not teaching anything different from the other apostles, but I'm not teaching the same thing because I was with them. We're all teaching the same thing because we all had a revelation from Jesus. And again, Jesus is God, so God is our authority. And all this is Paul just using his testimony to show us that God makes us new and that he saves and that he places us in his family. And he does it by grace alone, not by anything that we've done. See, there's power in our story, in our testimonies. And all this is Paul just telling his story. 
Because when you tell your story, it actually blesses other people. They can look at how God has worked in your life and they can say, well, if he can do that for them, he can surely do that for me. But it also blesses you when you tell your story because it actually reminds you of the faithfulness and the goodness of God. You can look back and say, look how good God has been to me. Look how he got me through that situation a few years ago. Look how he's standing right here with me and helping me right now. And look how in a few years from now, when I'm dealing with whatever I have to deal with, he's gonna be there right by my side. I don't know about you, but that's incredibly encouraging to me, to know that no matter what I'm doing, no matter what I'm going through, that God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and that he's gonna be right there by my side, and that I don't have to be alone. See, where the enemy has had you at your absolute darkest, God is right there with you and He wants you to shine at your absolute brightest. Paul was a murderer, but the moment he got saved, what the enemy meant for evil, God used it for good. God was gonna do with Paul right from the beginning. Paul was gonna do good for God from birth. He was gonna preach Jesus. He was gonna preach grace. He was gonna preach freedom. Our God is so good that He takes the sin in our life and He uses it for His glory and to bring hope to other people. He takes those dark, worst times in our light and He shines light on them. We've all done things like Paul that we may not be proud of, but we can be thankful and see that Jesus, He's redeemed us, that we're free. Paul finishes up in verse 24 by tying it all back to Jesus. And this is what he says. And they glorified God in me. It's all about God and His glory. It's not about us and how bad we were. It's about how good He is and His grace. And it doesn't matter what baggage you have or what you've done in your past because we have a take me as I am kind of God and He loves you just the way you are, right where you are, and He's pursuing you. And loving you and saving you and giving you grace actually pleases Him. Let's all pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving us so much that you gave us your one and only Son, and that because of the finished work of the cross, that our past, our present, and even our future sins are covered under your grace. And because you love us so much that you pursue us and that saving us and giving us that grace actually pleases you. And Lord, I pray right now that if there's anybody's watching or, or listening that doesn't know you, I pray that they understand that you are a take me as I am kind of God and that you love them right where they are, that it doesn't matter what they've done, that if they just ask you to come into their heart that all that stuff can be a thing of the past, that you can make them new, and that you want them to be a part of your family. In your amazing name we pray, amen. Guys, we love you. We're praying for you. If you have any prayer requests, please private message us. We'd love to stand with you in prayer. Next week, we have Pastor Rick Stone, and he's going to be continuing this series in Galatians. And stick around, because Communion with Taylor is next. 
Hey church, wasn't that an incredible message? Lee is just so gifted and so talented. We are incredibly blessed to have her on our preaching team at One Church. So Lee, thank you so much for bringing that message of grace. And now we get to celebrate that message of grace right now through communion. So if you didn't get the warning at the beginning of the message that we are doing communion, go ahead. This is your fair warning again. You can grab your communion elements, whether that's crackers, bread, water, wine, Kool-Aid, whatever you use for communion, go ahead and grab that now. And I'm going to be revisiting the same verses that we read um, last time we did communion. This is out of John 6. And again, this is after Jesus already fed the 5,000 and the crowd came to find him because they were looking for physical food. And Jesus uses this as an opportunity to talk to them about how he's got more than just physical food. He's got spiritual food. He's got something else for them to feed off of that's going to sustain them so much more than bread or fish or water is ever going to do. So here I'm going to pick it up in verse 53. And this is in red uh, when Jesus starts speaking, so you know you got to listen up. It says, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Now I know this story happened again, as I mentioned the last time we did communion, that this happens before the cross, but this is a foreshadowing of what Jesus was gonna do on the cross. This was a foreshadowing of the life that he was about to give on the cross, where he died for our sins. And it talks about when you eat the flesh of, of the Son and drink of His blood. He wasn't, again, talking about physical flesh and, and eating His flesh and drinking His actual blood. He was talking about eating of what He has to give. And what does He have to give? Well, when He died on the cross, He said, it is finished. He means that the old covenant was broken, that it was fulfilled that we are no longer a slave to the old covenant, which is workspace, which is based on the law, which is based out of our own efforts, which we know we're not good enough for. But then he also shed his blood and sealed the deal. He used his blood as a seal to say, hey, there's this new covenant of grace. I brought it and I fulfilled everything for you and you get to live under this freedom, not because of anything you've done, not anything you could possibly do, but simply because I love you. I am your victory, I am your healing, I am your restorer. This is the seal of the new covenant. So when we take this cracker, it's not just a cracker. It's representative of his flesh. His flesh that was broken and battered and beaten and bruised for us. It was everything, the total fulfillment of the old covenant. And when we drink this, it, it represents his blood. It's not his actual blood, but it represents the blood that was shed for us. That was the total fulfillment of the old covenant and sealed the deal of the new covenant, washed away our sins, and now we can live under this freedom. And so I wanna challenge you, what are you feeding on? Because when the, when the people came and followed Jesus and they were looking for food, they were, they were asking for physical food. But Jesus said, no, no, no. You, physical food will only last you for so long, but I've got something that'll sustain you for so much more. 
And that's what I want to remember this communion. Why do we do communion? It's for remembrance. It's to remember what Jesus did. It's to help get our focus back online. You see, with social media, with mainstream media, with the news going around today, it is so easy to feed on the negativity, to feed on the doom and the gloom that is going on, to feed on, you know, you look at the mail and you see what bills are coming in, then you look at your bank account and realize there's not enough. You, you, want, you feed on looking at the doctor's report and going, oh, I don't know what, what's going to happen with my health. It doesn't look good. You know, you feed on hearing the phone call of your child's gotten in trouble again and you just don't know what to do. What are you feeding on? Are you feeding on the doom and gloom that is out there in the world around you? Or are you feeding on the flesh and the blood of Jesus Christ? that says it is finished, there is victory. I have fulfilled all of this for you. You are healed, you are restored, you are blessed, you are full of life, you are highly favored with unmerited favor. My grace is sufficient for you. That's what communion is, guys. It's refocusing ourselves, it's feeding ourselves of the good things that God has for us. So I want you to ask yourself real quick, what have you been feeding on? Have you been feeding yourself the things of this world that says there isn't enough, you're not enough, the world is going crazy and there's nothing you can do about it? Or are you feeding on Jesus that says, I am the victory, I love you so much, I've already got this for you, my grace is sufficient, I have everything you possibly need, you are so blessed, you are so loved, what are you feeding on? It's a very simple message. And I just wanted to make sure that we, we keep our eyes focused on Jesus. This, this is what communion's all about, remembering what he did on the cross. So what are you feeding off of? So grab your, your bread or your cracker and grab your cup and we're gonna pray right now. So Lord, I thank you. I thank you for another opportunity to feed off of you and your goodness. I thank you for this moment to realign our focus and our gaze on your love and your grace for us. Lord, I thank you for this cracker that represents your body that was beaten and battered and bruised for us, Father, that it took all of our guilt, all of our shame, all the punishment that we deserve, you took it upon yourself and you were the total fulfillment of the old covenant so that we could be set free. I thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Take the bread. And Lord, I thank you for this cup that we take as representation of your blood, Father, or that we can drink it and remember that you took this a step further and you made a new covenant, a new covenant of grace that says it's not by our works, it's not by anything we can do, but it's because you loved us, because you saw us and you loved us anyway. Lord, I thank you that you set us free, that you've blessed us to be a blessing, that you have given us everything we absolutely need, Father, and more, that you, you have made our cup overflowing, Father, because of your new covenant of grace. So we drink this cup in remembrance of your blood that was spilled for us and sealed the deal on this new covenant. We thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, guys, I want to thank you again for tuning in this week. And if you've got any praise reports or prayer requests, we'd love to hear it. Go ahead and email us at info at onechurchvb.com or direct message us on Facebook. We are here. Whatever you need, 
We want to hear from you. We miss you. We love you. We're praying for you. And we hope you have a fantastic week. Thank you for joining us for another epic message of grace. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen so others can find us too. We'll be back next week with another incredible message. Until then, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at OneChurchVB or find out more information about One Church at OneChurchVB.com. Have a great week.